0: Hello, old friends. This is Mike Dawson, and I welcome you to the Silent Pianist Podcast, where I interview curious people that do extraordinary things. Today's guest is award-winning South African flutist and composer Walter Kellerman. In 2015, he won a Grammy for his album Winds of Samsara. This album was a collaboration with Indian composer Ricky Cage. He also won three Samas in his homeland of South Africa. The Sama Award is the South African Music Award and is considered equal to the American Grammys. Kellerman has just released his latest recording, Symphonic Soweto. The album is a lifelong dream of Kellerman's and is dedicated to Nelson Mandela and South African democracy. I talked to Walter Kellerman at his home in South Africa while he and his wife, Fulsi, are hard at work preparing live performances and media appearances to support the release of Symphonic Soweto. So I think you know everything's working great so I'm going to kind of you know commence this interview uh to formally begin so you can uh move on move on to your uh maybe a maybe a little bit of dinner and a, a little bit of kind of taking it easy right uh, so uh Walter Kellerman, thank you for coming and being a guest on the Silent Pianist
1: thank you so much I oh, know it's such a pleasure thanks for thanks for asking me
0: well you know i mean i remember uh watching you perform at the uh the grammy uh chapter here in texas and everybody was kind of like their jaw was uh dropped and and just so loving your music what what was the uh the genesis of the idea of collaborating uh with uh, Ricky Cage, uh, how did that start?
1: How did you guys meet? Well, actually, we we met um, um, on the on the on the sort of Grammy networking site at this at the time it was Grammy three six five called Grammy three six five because we had we had yes. both had albums entered before, and um, <clears throat> you know I I came across his music like that because he had entered his previous albums and I and I loved his music and he had heard my music and he loved my music and then we just started chatting on you know on the grammy 365 um, networking site and uh you know we we just both discovered that we liked and we thought let's do one song together um and he he actually sent me a song that he had done which I just thought was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard and he asked me to add some flute to it and I thought, well, I'm going to really go out of my way to impress him. <laughs> and I did. I did spend quite a bit of time to to add something really nice to it. And um, he liked it a lot. And um, we just started talking. And then we, we discovered that um, Nelson Mandela and um, Mahatma Gandhi had some links. Because, you know, I'm from South Africa. He's from India. And uh, Nelson Mandela was very, very influenced by Mahatma Gandhi's Ideas of peaceful resistance um and um they were actually held uh, a long time apart at the same prison in um in Johannesburg and um but uh, you know we thought let's do a song for for Nelson Mandela and one for Mahatma Gandhi. We did that, and we loved working you know, together so much that we just carried on after that, you know, and that soon became a whole album yeah.
0: Do you think that maybe maybe the first connection was simply the the recognition that there was a uh, a common thread running between those two great uh, human rights leaders? Um, was that the first connection, or was it musical, or was it maybe a
1: combination of both? No, I think it, the first connection was musical. You know, we 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 recognize that we have a similar sense of. Um, of what kind of music we liked and what kinds of sounds we liked, even though we grew up in completely different parts of the world, we had something in common. And uh, I think that was the first connection. Um, Because even if you've got the theme um, in common, if you don't have a musical connection, I think it's hard to collaborate, um, you know, beautifully. But this was an effortless collaboration, you know, because we... We just um, tend, tended to think the same way, and, and in the ways when we did differ, <clears throat> we had a lot of patience with each other, you know, because um, I have a tendency, <coughs> sorry, to be very perfectionistic, and I, I, I do drive people crazy sometimes, and he was never driven crazy, he was always patient and you know, was willing to try something again. And um, I was the same with him. So I think the first connection is music, but then, you know, we we found there's a connection between our countries. So, um, uh, you know, that was what led to the actual formation and, and working on the on specific album.
0: Right. Well, when you guys started working on the Winds of Samsara, uh, which ultimately became a Grammy winner, um and congratulations are in order again for that uh, uh, wonderful Thank achievement. You. But you know the thing that I that I was really struck by that particular project was that sense of collaboration. Um, how would you guys uh, uh, write the the uh, the music together? I mean, since you were obviously living in different parts of the of the planet, did you guys get together in a particular studio, or was it a lot of what we all do these days as artists we tend to collaborate and use the technology to send files back and forth did you guys really seek to do things in person or were you able to do much of it by just utilizing and exploiting the technologies that we have available to us
1: yeah we actually um you know we did spend quite a bit of time together later in the project but we started off um collaborating over the over the internet you know i would I had written some songs that I sent him and he had written some songs that he sent me. And, you know, both of us had already recorded the songs um, or parts of it. And um, and then he worked on my, my recordings and I worked on his recordings. And, um, you know, we just continually to and fro until we were happy. It took a long time, you know. It, I, I think it is harder to do over the internet because you don't have that quick to and fro and that quick connection um, and that quick getting there, you know? So we, we did that. And generally the songs took a while, you know, it took quite a bit of time for us to, to get to something we liked. And obvious and, but there were a few songs that just immediately fell into place. I think in every album one has that, you know, you have just, you just get lucky and you just have some. So we had a few songs like that. It's just, he did something, I did something, and it just immediately worked. So
0: Right, you got that kind of magic in a bottle, so to speak, that lightning in a bottle, I guess. But, you know, was was Madiba a, a, a piece of music that was more... Uh, uh, Spontaneously uh, occurring Or was that one of the pieces That was a little bit more thought out And kind of structured And maybe rewritten or rearranged As you kind of got a better feel for it Obviously because it had such a significance uh, Ultimately uh, to the uh, project
1: Yes, uh, that was uh, a song that I had written For Nelson Mandela And, um, and I had actually recorded that already And uh, so I sent him my recording and he loved it, but it was quite a very um, acoustic, very simple recording. And he and it wasn't New Age at all. It was sort of a more folky, uh, folky sound. And um, so he added the sort of um, uh, the New Age feel to it, and he brought some Indian musicians and an Indian vocalist. Um, So we, we lengthened the song and brought and put in new sections and then it became just much better than I had before. You know, it just, uh, it just um, became deeper and, and more interesting. And um, so it, you know, we were both extremely happy with how it turned out.
0: Maybe the, maybe what happened there, and I'm sure you maybe already had that thought was that you were fulfilling maybe the, an ultimate vision of that piece of music because you had that uh, South Asian, South African uh, fusion that occurred with that reimagining of that recording. Did you find that the whole record was kind of those moments of of like, oh, we had these great ideas, but the different perspectives of of uh, your uh, aesthetic as an arranger uh, uh, musician. Uh, did you guys tend to feed off of each other in? in exciting in new ways that kind of surprised yes, you. Yes,
1: definitely. Um, I, I think absolutely. Um, you know, we just – I think our uh, – the, the different influences helped um, so we could give each other's music um, some interesting colors that hadn't been there before, you know. And then also our personalities um, was complementary because um, um, Ricky is someone – who has worked in the ad world um so he's used to he, he's used to creating jingles and he can create something very beautiful very quickly um and get you going you know and get you going in a in a in a good direction well i'm I'm the slow worker that will push and spend double the time to get it from eighty five to ninety percent you know, and um, so I think you know we worked so well together like that, you know, um, so it's just the personalities compl- was also were also complementary.
2: Is a good thing.
0: Another another thought that I had as I'm looking at the set list or yeah. the, you know, the track list of this of this wonderful record, so was um, was Mahatma uh, a example of something that was a, a little bit more uh, long term in terms of coming with that final arrangement. Uh, because it ended up being uh, the uh, first track to people here when they bought the the album. Uh, was that an example of something like
1: that? Yes, that that song took a while to get together. Mahatma the the, 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 the first track um, that was this time it was Ricky who wrote the track, who wrote the song. and um, I just and he had some very specific ideas. He even um, got someone to add flute. Um, just to give me an idea of what he had in mind. And then I took that as a basis and developed it and also wrote the, the sort of the long intro. Um, and then we found we had a really, really long song, but we loved it that long. Um, and then at the end of the album, when we'd done, we were actually over the 74 minutes that can fit onto <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> so, you know, we were... Um, and we so we had to cut something and we knew this would be the song where we could cut because we had already discussed that it might be too long but you know we so we 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 did made made the very difficult decisions of cutting sections of it you know and uh, that so it took a while to get that song the way it is now and i remember um after we had finished mixing um I actually went over to Bangalore to to mix the the album with Ricky. There were still some things I wasn't happy with, and at the airport, waiting for my plane to take off, I was quickly doing some flute editing. <laughs> and then I landed in Dubai and carried on with the flute editing, sent it to him. And then when I got back to South Africa, he had received it and and tweaked the mix, and we could go ahead and print. <clears throat>
0: Oh, wow. So it's really down to the wire uh, as you uh, finalize that final yeah. uh, arrangement. Well, you know, it certainly paid off and it's a it's a lovely record. And, you know, the thing that I noticed is that it translates really well to the live performance. Because I know that when we spend so much time in the studio, especially in the, the modern era of Pro Tools and, and we, we get to, uh, you know, do many, many takes and different arrangements because it's so much more economical than yeah. the land of tape that probably you yeah. and I are more familiar with um you know the, the the thing is is that it's always a kind of a tough thing that to to make such uh music in the studio and then translate it uh into a live performance what are the what are the challenges just generally of taking uh a music that is uh maybe birthed in the studio and you perform it live, what are some of the things that you might do differently or, you know, how do you strip it down to play it, you know, maybe as a five piece or a six piece as opposed to maybe a dozen musicians or so, uh, what are the challenges for you on that? Or what do you kind of, what's your thought process? maybe that's a better way to say it. Um,
1: I'm uh, actually, that's, um, you know, that's a very good (laughs) question and that's what I, I have in all my albums have been, written like that, you know, sort of creating um, and then recording and then performing after that. Um, um, so, you know, you always get to that situation when you're ready to perform and you sort of, you can't really recreate exactly what you had in the studio. You know, it's just impractical. So you have to take that that music um, and create a live version of it. And that's what I generally do is we create something that's uh, the same but also quite different. Um, and um, the biggest compliment someone can give me is that uh, live it sounds better than on the album because I know the album we killed ourselves working for hundreds, maybe thousands of hours to make it sound that way. <laughs> so – so, um, and then the live – Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the live, I think you – one, it's not really possible to do it exactly the same unless you have tracks. You know, if you play with tracks, um, and uh, I tend to shy away from the tracks. I tend to do um, acoustic versions. And um, so I just get together with my band and we play around with it. And we often discover things that makes the song much better that I wish we had when we recorded it so and um, so we you know the live process brings something special to it especially i think in an ideal world it would be nice to to play it live for a year and tour with it and then record it you know i think that that's probably the the better way to to, to go about it um but um you know uh, it just doesn't seem to happen that way because there's always a deadline to make an album and um, you know, you generally do, don't have the time to to workshop it for a for a year on on tour before you record it.
0: Yeah, you know that <clears throat> that makes up a, a very interesting point uh, about you know road testing material. But but I suspect that there has been times where you improvise maybe with your band, and then you you record it. You know maybe with the voice recorder on the smartphone, and then. You take that into the studio because you got this great groove that happened, kind of lightning in the bottle, once again, to use that analogy. Um, is any of your new album, Symphonic Soweto, did any of the music get created in that manner? Or was this something of a, oh, when you say this a different way, the project, uh, symphonic Soweto has that been percolating for years and there's something about the anniversaries that have that are occurring uh this year and next year in South Africa is this something that you've been dying to do as um, an artist
1: you know I actually um my my link um to Nelson Mandela you know has has been my whole life He's probably the person in my life that I've looked up the most and um so I wrote music for him on previous albums, um, and he even watched me perform a solo a flute solo to that I wrote for him when he was in hospital, very sick. I, I, I performed it to a, a stadium crowd and was uh, televised live. Yes, I, I wrote this song to to describe his life with the colours of the flute, and it and it uses, you know, his life was very very uh, deep and a lot of different um elements in his life. So I used the extended techniques of the flute to describe his life. And so, you know there's there's sort of beautiful melodies, but there's also um some a beatboxing on the flute called flute boxing and yeah, um and other extended techniques, singing while playing, um, you know, that kind of thing. So it became a very interesting piece. And so they did ask me to perform it at um on his birthday Actually, not not on his, but on Nelson Mandela Day um, at Soccer City um, um, Stadium um, a few years ago. Um, And uh, so that was one of the highlights for me to be able to perform that and and to know that he's watching. Um, So, you know, my my link to him. um, So I've always sort of been inspired to make music um, that spreads good energy. You know that's been a, a line through through all the albums. So uh, then the Nelson Mandela Foundation pointed out to me that next year is the centenary of his birth, and they encouraged me to do something to to celebrate that. And um, you know, so I spoke to the Soweto Gospel Choir because we had done some work on the last album together before, and uh, so we decided to to make an album together that would celebrate. Um, a tribute to him and it will also um, celebrate Soweto uh, which is where he lived um, where his house was um, and the history of Soweto and Mandela so we we took um, some of the songs that was popular that that had a Soweto Mandela theme over the last decade, the last few decades and we arranged that for flute, um, choir and full uh, symphony orchestra um, so uh, we took six popular songs. Then we when, then we took some of the struggle music, the struggle songs that, that people sang in their homes, and then and and when they were protesting during the apartheid times, um, and and we we um, arranged that as well. And we also wrote some new music. Um, and as you say, actually, you were spot on. Some of the um, music has been percolating. And uh, for example, there is one song called Soweto Travels that um my band and I have been just been playing around with and um uh and um we actually went into the studio to do little bits of it uh more than a year ago uh, not knowing where it's going to go and um so we I took that idea and I worked with um, my arranger friend um Barry and we we built that song and um I was imagining when when writing that song and while arranging it is to take a a trip through Soweto, a magical trip through Soweto, where upon meeting people, I could look back a thousand years into their past and get a sense of where they came from. And so we wrote this piece um, uh, with, with that theme in mind. And uh, that's probably one of the pieces on the album that I'm happiest with how it came about.
0: Or piece of Soweto travels because it's so symbolic to the uh, struggle for uh, modern democracy in South Africa do you do you do you find that actually being there uh and writing music uh to represent a particular ideal or at least a remembrance perhaps of uh, of that uh 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 area of uh south africa do you think that the that was communicated through the music uh in in a way because it's instrumental music in a lot of ways but it has a a different kind of a a a vibe to me as 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 an american where i i i want well, let me say this differently because I'm getting off track here because I'm I'm still processing your album, man. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's so lovely. So let me say this a different way. <laughs> I mean, you know, w- with that with that particular track, um, there there just seems to be that you're trying to kind of incorporate this diversity of the the people and the community. And do you, exactly. do you think that your 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 composition was influenced by actually speaking to the people? and you would try to capture that in your instrumental uh, performing.
1: Yes, definitely. You know, we have uh, 11 official languages in South Africa, and um, um, English is one. Afrikaans is a a form of – initially was Dutch. It uh, developed from Dutch. And there's nine official black languages. We have more, but we have nine official languages, and each of those languages have – uh, uh a dance a music and a whole culture of their own and um you know being being here in south africa and especially after democracy it's been um so beautiful to be exposed to these cultures i i used to um sponsor a dance class um a few you know about 10 years ago um for semi-professional dancers and i would go to the dance class every morning for about 2 years and just stand in the back, trying to pick up the dance steps, and and a lot of that dancing covered the different types of of cultures that and 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 the music um, of the people we have in South Africa. So you know, um, so I've been enamored and and totally impressed, and I've always thought it's incredibly beautiful. And yes, so the, the, I definitely wrote the song with that in mind. Trying to in some way express the diversity, um, you know, of what we have here. It, it 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 just struck me as you're as you're
0: describing this to me that you you definitely get that connection between uh, human movement, dance, if you will, and musical yes. expression. And it's sometimes uh, easy to forget in in our modern uh, way of making music. That music is meant to be danced to in so many settings uh did you find did you find that much of your uh writing for symphonic soweto incorporate or maybe intuitively or uh, viscerally uh incorporated that that dance like quality or joyfulness of expression
1: Yes, definitely. Um, you know, in Africa, uh, music and dance was never separated. People danced while they sang, and they sang while they danced. It's not supposed to be separate items. The 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 separation of dance and music is a Western construct. Um, and uh, I, I feel, I, I still feel music. You you know, one, um, one one can, one should, and one can and uh and it's all you know one should move to music and um for me it's all one thing so whenever I write music and whenever I listen to music uh that's sort of part part of my culture to 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 think of it as a moving part so in in your subconscious mind um you know when you write music, you do have that in mind um but also you know the music that we um uh, the already written material that we that we arranged all of that music was, was written by South African musicians and they have that inherently, um, you know, in their background anyway. So um, I, I do feel that, you know um, the music, if, if we, we could easily um, choreo do some choreography and create a, a whole dance Uh, show (laughs) with the music.
0: Yeah, I I could totally uh, uh, see that uh, in my mind as you're talking about that. You know, one of the things that also struck me as I was listening to the record, I I should preface my remarks, is that the first time I listened to it, I was um, traveling to uh, go see a very uh, well-known musician uh, here in uh, Texas uh and the music of this particular artist it's very vibrant and very danceable and as i was sitting there with my girlfriend and we were listening to this record uh of yours uh obviously it's a collaboration hugely so i know that i i say yours but yours in a a global (laughs) sense perhaps but we we were we were just so taken by the diversity of the vocal styles. Can you talk a little bit more about the vocalists that you chose and brought into the sessions? Uh, what struck you about um, maybe having Angelique Kijou, uh performing on some of those uh, recordings and other artists? Can you talk a little bit more about that process?
1: Yes. Uh, you know, Angelique Kijo is um, probably Africa's. Best known singer and most popular singer. And uh she is just someone that I've been wanting to collaborate um for a long time. And she also has links to South Africa. You know, she has um she has sung a lot of Miriam Makeba's songs. Miriam Makeber's probably most well-known singer that uh, female singer that South Africa has produced, you know, over the last century. Um so so she has those links to South Africa, so she was a natural choice, and, and you know I, I love what she do, what she does. So um, we asked her to do the, the one Miriam Keba song, and also we asked her to sing um, Asimbo Nanga, the song Asimbo which is track one on the album, and that is written by <clears throat> two uh, people. It's it's um, it's a combination of two two songs. Um, uh, Asimbu Nanga is written by Johnny Clegg, one of South Africa's most um well known exports as well. Yes, and then we combined that um with Peter Gabriel's Biko. You know, he wrote Peter Gabriel wrote the song for Biko, which was a um South African um resistance fighter, and he he was um taken into custody. He was he was um amassing huge support and was taken into custody by the South African police. And they treated him so roughly that he died in custody. And then, um, Peter Gabriel wrote that song for Biko. <clears throat> and "Asimbonanga" Bunanga was written for Nelson Mandela during the time when he was in jail, just saying, we miss you. Where are you? <clears throat> so to get Angelique Kija to sing that, that medley was just a, a perfect matchup. And, um, you know, we just got very lucky with having everybody available and everything linking up beautifully.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, that was certainly uh, – I and of course, I recognize the Biko reference immediately uh, as I'm a huge Gabriel fan.
3: La pekona, la pe helicona. Asimbonanga, asimbona. Así mbonanga umande china. La pekona, la pe helicona.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about uh, some of the other uh, uh elements of the record. Um talk about uh is that pronounced KwaZulu? Yes, KwaZulunatel. Um okay, very good. Can
1: you talk about uh your collaboration with uh Banjani Tembe? Yes, um you know um the natal Philharmonic is um is the, the, the top symphony orchestra in South Africa. And um, Bongani Tembe is is the director. And um, so they were a natural choice. And it was also, they're in a different city. Um, I live in Johannesburg. And they, they in, in KwaZulu-Natal, which is more on the, it's on the eastern coast of um, South Africa. And so it was a natural choice. And a, and a very good choice to go with them they were just they're just an amazing symphony orchestra and i decided early on to rather go with the south african symphony orchestra because they have that they grew up with this music and they have this the, the understanding of the music that an overseas orchestra might not get and it and it comes through in very subtle ways you know um uh if if you play the music that you know and that you grew up with. So it's just a more holistic collaboration. Um, so it was absolutely lovely, full 65-piece symphony orchestra. Uh, we got some of South Africa's um, amazing arrangers to arrange the music, uh, a few overseas arrangers as well, but mostly South African because, you know, it, it it's all about understanding where the music comes from. And and having that whole history behind you, so we arranged the music and then uh, went down to Durban um, for three days and recorded the orchestra over three days.
0: Yeah, you know, there, there's a thing about you know uh, American orchestras and and European orchestras when they try to play jazz and they can't swing. Yeah. So it sounds. <laughs> so I think what you're communicating, you know, in, in, in a very nice yeah. way is that. You know, I guess if you were to take this this music on the road, and I'm sure you have plans to do that and and tour the, the tour the uh, uh, the the world, uh, and let us hear this wonderful music, are you are you kind of wondering, okay, how is that going to be uh, performed by orchestras that don't? know this music because they haven't grown up with it i mean is that something that's kind of occurred to you as you think about how you're gonna take this this uh great record uh out in the performance um uh
1: yeah you know we what we would like to do is is travel and be guests of symphony orchestras overseas and travel it that way it, it's just too expensive to to travel with the symphony with the sure, symphony sure, orchestra absolutely. so that will be but, you know, the, the American symphony orchestras and the European symphony orchestras are of amazing quality. Um, and, um, you know, now that the music is recorded and it's all written down, uh, you know, um, I think it's it's going to be very, very doable for them to, to get that spirit uh, because they, you know, um, I think it took the South African orchestra to put it down and and you know we tweaked and we worked it and now that we've finalized it and it's clear and it's all written down to the note, I think it it will work very well um, to 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 travel and 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 uh, do that with all kinds of um, uh, guest orchestras.
0: Yeah, you know you actually uh, answered my next question was was how much of the tweaking occurred in the recording sessions, and I I was. I'm very glad to hear that, you know, even though it was very well actualized, that there were things that you that you saw in the sessions and everybody kind of noted that, oh, we need to do this a little bit differently because it's it's something's muddy or that that line is not working contrapuntally with this other line. Uh, It sounds like you guys took a lot of care. And to me, to do that in three days uh that's pretty extraordinary. That's a lot of hard work. It must have been very long days uh to bring all that uh to uh you know the, the ultimate uh, yes. fruition. um
1: and uh well you know the three days we actually didn't succeed in getting what we wanted so we we had to do a huge amount of work afterwards um and redo some things uh and um you know uh there's an interesting thing is the is the tuning you know the the african choirs. I love to sing flat. They they sing just under the note, and when they get very passionate, the passion uh, seems to drive the note up uh, into tune, and that's that's their tuning. It's, uh, it's correct tuning. You don't want to change that because that's what you that's what's. Unique about the the African and the South African choirs, so the orchestra the, the choirs tend to sing flat, while uh, symphony orchestras all over the world um, like to play a little bit sharp. You know, um, the, right? The, yeah. yeah, the standard sure. um, frequency for A is four forty hertz, um, but here in South Africa, the orchestras play at four forty two hertz. In the U.S., many of the orchestras. Play at four forty two in Germany. I know they play at four forty four, um, and that's just to—it's—it's it's a very slight adjustment, but it just brings a little bit of excitement into the music. It just sounds that touch more exciting. Um, so you know, we had quite a lot of problems like that, where with with the the choir wants to sing flat and the orchestra wants to go sharp. <laughs> so we had to redo... Yeah, we had to keep you continually tune and the order of the rec- how we recorded it was very important and they also had to do quite a bit of post production to tweak things um and to you know to 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 work it and and to make sure it all works beautifully um, so this project nearly killed me like that, but I'm still surviving. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, yes, here you are, uh, and able to talk about it and
0: laugh about it. Wow that that must be interesting because you know I have you know these visions of you know my uh, recording experiences where you might have to say, oh that one note on a vocalist, you know it's a, just a little flat. We'll mel- we'll melodyne that, or just as I usually hope to do, just. Just do yeah, it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, a lot of times you a lot of times you just can't do that because you you have these massive uh ensembles and like you say, you know, time and budget doesn't allow that. Well, I'll tell you, I would never have suspected that there was anything other than just first takes
1: all the way around. So <laughs> <Yeah>. that's that <laughs> You know, that's I think that's the whole <laughs> that's point fantastic. is thank you. It has to sound easy at the end. You know, it has to sound natural and easy, and that's what we but it you know it was actually very hard it was really really hard to to put it all together and um to make it work and some it's it's like any album songs some, some songs just came together easily other songs just took forever and just tweaking and experimenting and redoing and tweaking again until you know we thought we had something that worked oh
0: man i'll tell you uh you know, you and your whole production team and all the musicians—it's been wonderful uh, to listen to. I've listened to it completely through uh, uh, at least four times now, and I always try to make sure that somebody else gets to hear it. Well, thank you. Um, and I, I, you know, I I played it for one of the Grammy governors here in Texas, and they're just like, "This is really off the charts." So uh, I I I really can't wait for you guys. And, and and gals to to bring it uh, uh live to us soon what are the plans uh for uh the performances I'm sure that most of them are going to be uh in South Africa and Africa in general uh what are some of the plans about the performing it to co- to to commemorate some of the anniversaries coming up what's on what's yes, what are you we're working
1: at? very closely with the Nelson Mandela Foundation. And the South African Department of Arts and Culture, because you know they have all kinds of plans to celebrate Mandela's centenary next year. So um, uh, we are planning some performances in South Africa and also a few overseas. Um, uh, apparently, one in Vienna. We we're just standing by to get the final dates, um, but there'll be there'll be some all over, um, and we hope to you know we'll hope as time goes on that we'll um will carry on um touring it um i think a lot of you know south africa here, here in south africa we don't plan ahead too far <laughs> uh, very different from the us and and europe and um so i know that the um us seasons With the symphony orchestras are pretty much booked out for next year. So probably a lot of those will happen in 2019. I I think the specific um, celebrations for for, for Mandela will happen next year, and then there will be some more shows carrying on into 2019.
0: Yeah, well, you know, uh, uh, what I have uh, become aware of is that it's the uh, celebration of – uh, Nelson Mandela's hundredth yes. birthday. If he would have uh, survived, um, what other types of events are being planned uh, for such a uh, occasion? Uh, maybe, maybe just things that you are just going to attend and you're not going to perform. Can you can maybe tell me a little bit about that? Because certainly, I'm uh, very unaware of those things.
1: Um, I actually don't know. As I say, in South Africa, we we don't, um, you know, these, these things are being planned at the moment. So there's a lot of talk, but uh, the dates haven't been finalized, but, um, in general, there'll be a lot of music and, um, you know, around that because, you know, um, uh, Mandela was very much into, into music. And, um, he said that music and dancing is what makes him, um, feel alive. And, um, so music will be a strong part of of these celebrations, but uh, there's a lot of celebrations happening all over the world um, in different settings and in different with different scopes. But I don't have the uh, the actual details at this stage.
0: Yeah, well, it sounds like it's it, it's going to be one of these events for the world that we're all going to take note and. Uh, As you said yourself in uh, a recent uh, 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 note you sent me was that – to quote this directly, with this we want to focus attention on the vision that Mandela had of social cohesion, tolerance, and global humanism, a vision that the world is very much in need of at the moment – you know, man, when I when I read that, you know, and I know you took a a, a great deal of care to to yes. say that with very, pre- very precise, uh, you know, very clear yeah, precision, I should say. Um, so in in this time, in this uh, moment. All these projects that you, uh, I say projects, all these musical uh, experiences, your albums, your live performances, it seems like this record symphonic soweto is a culmination of sorts um it, would I be right in that in that uh, assessment um yes you know
1: I, I think um uh you know my all my music has been um trying to express um and and to spread good energy and and i think often with the, with instrumental music um <clears throat> Some people think it's a limit because you don't have the words. But on the other hand, you can express something much deeper than words that really speaks to the soul. And, um, you know, I've really tried to focus on that. And um, on on this album, there are lots of words, um, uh, but the, the instrumental songs, I feel, do dig deeper and reach out across cultural barriers, and And to different people, um so we, you know, um Nelson Mandela spent twenty-seven years in jail, and i- I don't think it's possible for any of us to know how that feels like to spend you know the prime of your life and such a big chunk of your life in jail and He came out and he was incredibly forgiving and magnanimous, and he became a leader for all his people, you know, not even for his oppressors and I I think that is just so incredibly amazing and it's it's a beautiful example for for people to follow and and it's something very much needed um there seems to be a wave of intolerance sweeping the world um uh, all over you know uh, it, it definitely feels like there's a, a wave of intolerance and um yes it's horrifying exactly it's horrifying so, you know I think it's a very Timely um, next year that that it's his his centenary and gives us all a chance to 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 think back and and to spread and to mention his message.
0: Yes, I completely agree, and it it is a perfect uh, uh, opportunity for people to remember what it is to dream, because like you said, he was in jail for so many years and then came out of that experience with nothing more than dreams for a future, uh, a future for his own country and for your country, but through that lens... I as a young man living in America I was completely and utterly on his side and I had never stepped foot into that world you can only you can only uh yes. support that yes. so I I think it's just it's going to be amazing uh to watch how the world responds to commemorate such an event or such a anniversary uh for his uh, 100th birthday but also your music is going to serve a a purpose because it's music, that it's going to serve a purpose to uh, bring people together and, uh, and take, uh, uh, take note of that. So, you know, we're getting close to an hour. I just want to ask a couple more, a couple more things before we wrap it up, uh, and thank you so much for your, your kindness and generosity to me over the past year. or So I, I just, I've just, been so uh, uh grateful to 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 be a uh, a small part of your I world have... but i wanted to thank you no, it's, it's <laughs> i wanted to ask mutual. you <laughs> oh, thank you very much i wanted to ask you about two things that that, that have been uh, mentioned in uh other uh, interviews can you tell me about the, the
1: sos children's village in and rustenburg yes there's there's um you know, I uh, the SOS Children's Villages started just after the Second World War. It's an international um, um, uh, uh, organisation, and it started because a lot of people, a lot of kids, lof- uh, lost their parents in the Second World War. So this became a way to to take care of those children, and so it it came to South Africa as well. In South Africa, we have huge problems. Uh, I think we have the highest AIDS rates in the world. Many, many kids have lost their their, their parents through AIDS. There's also many kids being uh, that have been abused, abandoned. Um, and so there's all these kids that have nowhere to go. So the SOS Children's Villages, do, they do beautiful work. They create um, houses uh, where they have 10 children in the house and they, they have a house mother. So they create uh, a family for these kids uh, where they have siblings and a mother. And often this house is in an extended village. So they have an extended family. Um, So in Ennerdale, just south of Johannesburg, there's a a village uh, with 14 houses. And and there's another one in Rustenburg and a few more. So I, I decided I want to get involved. So I have been sponsoring... The, all the living costs for ten children in the innerdale, Inner, innerdale village just south of Johannesburg for about uh, sixteen years, I think now. Um, so I t- take care of ten kids, and you know they come, they come in, and they and they go through the the system, and they grow up, and they get schooled, and it's such a beautiful thing because you make a difference, not only to that child, but to whatever they do in the future. You know they have relationships, they are more wholesome beings they have they marry and they get they they have children and you you have an opportunity to stop a cycle of of um poverty crime abuse you know and and to start anew um so i've I've done that and I've also uh, built a house for, for 10 kids in in Rustenburg um so this is just my way all all the income from all my albums um have gone towards these children um so this is my way of, of of giving back and 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 it it feels like something really small because the, the need is so much bigger than you know than what we can help with. You know, I can only help ten children um and there are thousands of them. Um um you know, tens or hundreds of thousands even that are that that are desperate for help. But you know, that's all we can do. We just do our little bit and and, and um and try and make a contribution. <clears throat>
0: So when you uh first started uh, uh contributing to the uh, community in in Enderdale um and was the expenses just simply um food and shelter or were you ultimately uh through the uh contributions that you made were you able to build structures um for for them as well, or was that uh, something that you just kind of you in the moment you look at okay we need this and that's where the expen- that's where the uh yeah. the, the contributions yeah. are gonna be going like the direct contribution. Yeah, um,
1: it's, it's a it's it's a bit of both the uh, for the for the house in indel where where i'm taking uh, helping with the uh with the ten children um it's a fixed yearly amount that covers their expenses you know and that's why you know I've really been committed to carry on even in tough times um, to carry on my commitment, uh, to these children so that, you know, they can, they have the resources to, to, to keep that going. So they, those are ongoing costs, uh, like food, you know, um, school, school fees, clothes, that kind of thing. And then, um, uh, the, for shelter, I, I did build a house in, in Rustenburg. So that was a separate project. You know, I, I just, yeah. Okay. Yeah yeah i see
0: okay cool man well you know uh, and the other thing i wanted to ask you because clearly we could have another interview just on this particular uh uh part of your life tell me about the 67 blankets uh, yeah, that, project because uh, i i don't know much yes, about that's that. a
1: beautiful uh, project started by carolyn stain um she she decided um that she wanted to knit blankets for all the underprivileged because it gets very, very cold in, in the winter in South Africa and many people are just freezing. Um, so it started with her just getting some people um knitting blankets and it soon grew to a huge project where everybody in the country was was knitting blankets. And I went to the SOS children's villages and I I bought some wool and we went over there and we taught them how to knit so the, the 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 children's village um, also knitted blankets for the underprivileged, um, and then yeah, that's so oh, beautiful. Wow, and cool. then um, then Carolyn took it to the prisons, and um, so and the prisons, the the prisoners, oh, the inmates wow. started knitting blankets. And we just went uh, two weeks ago. We went to the Zondervanter prison. Uh, to maximum security, where only people with um, serious offences, so mostly murderers and rapists, um, we went over there, and they had knitted blankets. And then we did a musical project where we created, we recorded the anthem for 67 blankets with the prisoner choir. And we so we, it took us took nearly two years to arrange it because it was really hard to get in there. It's obviously. Has to be carefully planned because it can be very dangerous. Uh, but the prisoners were amazing, and um, so we're bu- we busy. We've recorded them, and we're busy producing this, this this song, and that will that will come out um, only I think towards um, second quarter of next year. But that was an absolutely amazing, beautiful moment to to do that.
0: You know, man, you do so much uh, uh, that you know, that I just I'm just totally inspired by by your uh, uh, philanthropic uh, uh, contributions Absolutely. to your community. Um, who are who who are some of the mentors and teachers that gave you such a sensibility? Was it your parents or maybe uh, uh, a teacher in college, uh, you know? Who 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 are the people that, that gave you that sense of uh of paying it forward, so to speak, yeah. to use a modern no, way I to think describe
1: think The main inspiration again is Nelson Mandela, you know, because that that was how he lived. And um that I was incredibly inspired by him. And I, I think just the way we grew up, um, you know, we just grew up with the ideas of love, um and caring. And I, I very much believe that um, sort of looking outside of yourself and caring for someone else um, is not only good for them but good for you and it doesn't matter how you look at it if you um, if you look at it in a religious way um, you know obviously all the religions agree with that um, that you um, in principle that that you uh, caring for others is, is a main element in all the religions, but also for, I think, for anybody, for people who, who are not who are not religious, um, it, 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 it's what makes you happy. Is to look out self. The more self-centered you are and, and confined you are, uh, it, it uh, makes for a very limited um, perception of the world, and, and it and it's not a happy place to be in. So um, it's good for others and it's good for you. So in the end it's it's quite a selfish <laughs> You can look at it as a selfish um, process you know to, to to look and to give and to love.
0: Well, I completely agree with that. Uh, when I when I find myself becoming more uh, uh, insulated from the world, Um, I just go and do some volunteer work or, or play a gig for free, uh, uh, and contribute to some kind of a cause because you're right. You get that energy back tenfold and, uh, it's, it's absolutely, if, if anything serves to be a reminder, it's just to, uh, to, uh, find a way to contribute and help those that are not as fortunate as you and I, where we get to play music for our livelihood, and to travel and to do things. I, I don't know about you, but I pinch myself every day that I get to do things like talk to Futra Kellerman and and hear about this wonderful uh, musical life that you have uh, created for yourself. And and I'm, I'm just so uh, inspired by what you say. And I know my audience is going to be... Uh, truly inspired. So, you know, we're right at the top of the hour. I just have one more question uh, before we wrap it up, (laughs) because I know you're getting hungry, man. I know it's six o'clock. Close to seven o'clock there in uh, in, in South Africa. Uh, do you uh, have any books that you're reading now uh, for fun? Uh, what do you do for uh, your hobbies, man? When you're not uh, writing and performing, and uh, you know, sitting in business class, traveling
1: somewhere. Uh, what are you doing? Well, I don't fly uh, business fun? class. I, I I fly economy, unfortunately. Um. <laughs> yeah, me too. But um, um, you know, I actually. Um, I haven't had much time. I've been incredibly busy the last few years, and I, I haven't even had one day off in four years—not one Christmas, or one New Year, or one Saturday, or one Sunday—because um, you know I, I waited a long time before I could do the music. I, I, I had kids, and I uh, for a long time I was doing engineering. I studied engineering, and um, and I couldn't really do the music. It, it wasn't paying enough to to look after my kids. So I had to, I had to wait a long time before I could do it full time. I was doing it very passionately all these years, but where I could put everything into it. So I've been so enthusiastic about it that I've just completely thrown myself into it. And, uh, but uh, the hobbies that I do like is I, I love dancing. I do some salsa, bachata, some tango. Uh, yes. Oh, well done. And, very good. Uh, I, I love sports. I, I play, I used to be a, a uh, very good table tennis player in my youth, and I plan to start playing again soon. When I, whenever I have a moment, I've been watching the Olympics on TV. <laughs> so, and uh, yes, right and, on. and I, I play cards we, every Friday night. My, uh, my family gets together and we play bridge. Um, and, oh oh uh, my goodness!
0: Okay, so uh, I, I will uh, look forward to our bridge uh, match. Uh, okay, that someday. sounds good. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, very good. And, I'll, and I'll let you smoke me at the uh, table tennis because I haven't done that since I was a teenager. You know, Luther, we could, I could really c- continue to ask you questions, but I don't want to take up uh, uh, any more of your time. I really, really am honored that we were able to talk finally after communicating through the, as they say, the interwebs for all these uh, many yes. months. So uh, thank you so much for appearing on the Silent Pianist and uh, I look forward to learning more about your live performances. And uh, good luck with everything. Thanks my so
1: much, Mike. Really, it was really interesting talking to you. Thank you. And uh, you know, uh, I've been, I've loved um, interacting with you over the years. And uh, thanks for having me. Um, hope to see you soon. The honor is all
0: mine, sir. And that's it. Okay. Walter Kellerman is a true visionary, and he approaches his creative world as a musician with the same love and passion as he dedicates his life to improving the lives of his fellow humans. The music you heard during this special edition of The Silent Pianist is from three different Walter Kellerman albums. First, you heard a track from the award winning album Winds of Samsara which features Kellerman and his musical partner, Ricky Cage. Then you heard brand new music from the just released album, Symphonic Soweto. A tribute to Nelson Mandela, which features the KwaZulu-Natal Philharmonic and the Soweto Gospel Choir. The final track is from Walter Kellerman's 2015 recording, Love language. You can find all this music and more at iTunes, Amazon, and beyond. Just make sure you visit Kellerman's website, voterkellerman.net. My name is Mike Dawson, and I am the silent pianist. You can find me at my band's website, roarelectra.com, or at my Twitter, at mike dawson music and you can find the silent pianist podcast anywhere podcasts are found goodbye old friends i am the silent pianist see you next time